Good morning. Here we go. There's revival and spreading like a wildfire in my heart. Sunday morning, hallelujah, and it's lasting all week long. Can you hear it? Can you see this? today have you already spent money in the foyer yes you have hopefully you have we are glad we're together again today we're glad to be together some of you I haven't seen for months and you look better you look better from what I remember today obviously is Father's Day and I woke up this morning and I thought, I get to eat meat today. It is a good day. And uh, the truth of the matter is, some of you, it's the first, first Father's Day without your dad. 
Some of you, dad, has been gone for years. And some of you hate your dad. And some of you haven't talked to your dad in months. And some of you are going to see him in a few hours and eat meat. All kinds exist today. And we, we can only hope that as a dad, that we somehow look a little bit like our Heavenly Father. And that we point our kids to Him by our life, and by our words, and by our actions. So will you bow with me as we just commit our time and remind ourselves why we're here. Heavenly Father, we choose this morning. First of all, we chose to come and to get up, and some of us didn't even choose. We just automatically do it. But right now, we make a decision that we're going to focus, that we're going to reflect, and that we're going to consider who you are again. We're going to be reminded again today of who you are and who we are. We're reminded today that you're a solid father. That we have to admit is mysterious. We can't completely figure you out. But we're trying to trust you in the good, in the bad, in the ugly. And we thank you for whatever dad we had. We are hoping that we can be more like you because of the dad we had. So we give this morning to you. It's good to be together with other humans. And we all said together, Amen. Amen. We're going to sing dance a little bit, sing some more. Will you worship Him? Will you choose to worship Him this morning? It's a clapper.
It is better in person. You used to be in the bathroom when we did that song. I know I know you were. I'm glad to be with other humans. It's good to be together. We're going to keep right along going. We're, we're going to raise a song. We're going to whatever it sounds like. He doesn't care. Your neighbor might. He doesn't. Put your mask on. It goes like this. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemy. I raise a hallelujah louder than my unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah.
Feel free to do whatever you feel led to do. Sometimes the Spirit won't let me sit down, and he keeps my feet moving, and I can't keep up with them. But that's okay. <laughs> it's all good. But we're uh, sure grateful that you're all here today. We were talking this morning a little bit about what a good daddy we have in Jesus. Our Heavenly Father is so good. And sometimes I need a little spanking, and he, he takes me aside and and teaches me, and that's good. Sometimes I'm resistant. I push back a little bit. Does anybody else do that? Please raise your hand. <laughs> yeah, and every once in a while, but then he'll, he'll kind of grab me like I used to pick up my little ones. He'll dust off my backside. He'll say, okay, let's try this one more time. He's so patient. So patient. He's so good. And he really, really, really is fond of you. Did you know that? There was a time in my life I didn't. But he does think I'm really high of you. So if you don't know that, I'm here to tell you that he does. Amen. Even when he spanks us, <laughs> he loves us. So I hope you know that. If you don't, pull me aside. I'll show you the truth and how he thinks of you. I would love to tell you that because it's important for you to know. And you should be telling other people too, especially now. So we're going to sing about how good he is because he's a really good father. And I just want you to soak that up and sing it out to him from your heartstrings. We have a cello that's going to play your heartstrings this morning. We're blessed to have. And so we're just going to listen to heaven a little bit on this song. Thousand stories. 
again. And I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night. Can you tell me that you're
inviting us. You're begging us. Todd, come deeper. Swim out farther. Away from the side, away from the safety. You can't touch bottom. Will you swim out farther? Go deeper. Trust me more. Rely on me more often. You're calling us, Father. Will you just, let's just be quiet for a second. And maybe he's going to whisper to you where He wants you to go deeper.
invite me. Invite me to come deeper, to trust more. It's good news. He's safe.
Lord, we cannot have a better person. And you're not a person, but we, there's no one better that could take that place to stand by us, beside us and go before us and behind us and be within us all at the same time. Lord Jesus, we thank you for coming here and just making yourself small so we could see how big you are. We love you, Lord. I ask for your Holy Spirit to just descend on this place even more. Lord, walk up and down these aisles and touch each soul in here in a personal way that they will recognize because it is that personal. Lord, I pray that you will just come down on Pastor Tim, deliver your word through him like only you can, Jesus. And Lord, I pray that we'll receive it. I pray we won't push it away. I pray we won't bury it or run from it or ignore it, but we'll take it in and we'll let it just sit in there and bury underneath that soil of our soul so that you can root it and bring fruit from it. We love you, Father. We welcome you here this morning. You are welcome in this place. And we love you. We give the rest of our day to you and pray that it'll bring you honor and glory, that you'll smile on it, and just know how much we love you. In Jesus' name. Maybe I need to turn this back on. No, it is on. Okay, we're good. Y'all good today? You doing well? Are there any children here today? Maybe four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old? Would you come down here and see me? Are there any kids here? I want to see some children. I won't embarrass you. Not you guys from the colleges. Any kids? Come see me. I want to talk to you. I just want to see you. Get acquainted with you. Can you sit here with me? Sit here with me. Yeah. I'm glad to see you guys. Now, this is Xander, right? Xander. And your name? Yeah. What's your name? Yes. Oh, I'm glad. And your name? Henry. Henry. And you are? LJ. Wow. I'm glad to see you guys. Good to see you. I don't have a big story for you today. I just got something to say to you. I'm glad you're here in church. Look out there. Do you see your parents out there anywhere? You see your family? Wave to them. Wave at them. Yeah. See if they wave back. Are they waving back? Oh, there's somebody out there waving to you. Guys, I got something for you right after church. If you'll come up and see me, I've got stuff in this pouch for you. And you can reach in here and get something out after church, okay? Henry, would that be okay? Okay. I've got some Hot Wheels in here. i got some bubbles in here. i got some candy in here. i got other stuff. But I want to know about you. Do you live here in Woodland Park? Where do you live? Black Forest. You drove a long way. And that's your sister, isn't it? And you, and you guys came... Do you live here in Woodland Park? You do? How about you? Where do you live? Lake George. You drove a good long ways too, man. I'm glad to see you guys today. So glad you're here. 
And I just wanted to say hi to you. Okay? See how you're doing? You have great eyes, Henry. You know that? You do. You know? He knows. He does. He does. Good. Good job. And man, and your grandpa goes to church here, right? Yeah. We call him Cyril. What do you call him? Grandpa Cyril. Okay, good. Could we call him Grandpa Cyril? Would you care if we called him Grandpa? You would. You'd rather we didn't. Okay, guys. You can go back and be seated with your parents. Thank you for coming down to see me. Come and see me after the service. And I see some other kids back there at a table. I want all those kids to come and see me and reach in the pastor's pouch after, after church this morning. I did mention that we have our summer staff here from uh, Golden Bell. Give them a hand, would you? Glad to have you here. The other thing, I'm wondering if you noticed that we had a cello in the band today. Isn't that great? Thanks to Janine for playing the cello for us today. Now would you please just uh, give your attention to the screen for this video. It is time, and if you can volunteer, you must volunteer. And the tables aren't in the main lobby this morning. They're down on the hallway. But please take a moment and go there and uh, sign up to volunteer. And since it's one night a week for four weeks, four weeks, one night a week, we can do that. So I appreciate it. If you have a Bible with me, with you, I've got my one with me, but if you have one with you, Turn with me to Luke chapter 15. It is a passage that some of you could probably recite from memory, but I want to begin reading with verse 1 and read through verse 10. Luke chapter 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners 
were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety and nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or, suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then we move into that next most popular of all parables, probably that one about the lost son. On January the 5th, 2014, a show premiered on the History Channel that had my attention from that very first episode. I couldn't get away from it. And in fact, I'm still back every Tuesday night to see what's going to happen next. The Curse of Oak Island. It tells you a story about two brothers who search for some unknown treasure. They're not even sure what it really is. It's on a small island supposedly uh, off of Nova Scotia. Uh, most of the time it's simply... A documentary, a documentary about failure because they don't find anything of value. But soon after that show premiered, they brought in a, a little Englishman by the name of Gary Drayton with his metal detector. And I watched carefully as Gary would search through piles of dirt that had been brought up, sometimes from 150 feet below the surface. Or he would be over at an area called Smith's Cove, and he would be there with his metal detector. And occasionally he would find something. On one occasion, it was a coin, and they decided that it was a coin that would date back to the Knights Templar. And then on another occasion he found a lead cross, just a small little cross, and they decided that too had its origins with the Knights Templar. Well, it was a little over a year ago, I guess, that I found what he did was really interesting to me. Enough so that I got on Amazon and I purchased a book about metal detecting. And it arrived, and I sat in my recliner as old men do, and I read it cover to cover. I wanted to know what that was about. And then, as I was reading it, I, it dawned on me that sometime 15, maybe 20 years ago, Jane had given me a metal detector for Christmas. It was one from Radio Shack. So you know how long ago that was. I don't think they even exist anymore. But I started thinking about that and I thought, I wonder what in the world I've done with that metal detector. 
So I went out into the garage and I crawled up into the attic and I started digging around and I found that old Radio Shack metal detector and I dug it out and I put new batteries in it and I turned it on and it started to beep and squawk and squeak around and I took it out into the yard there where we live and I would hear sounds I didn't know what it was saying the little gauge on the top just said that I, it was either ferrous or non-ferrous material that I was finding and I discovered that there were some things just laying there uh, an, an inch or two below the surface and I dug those things up and it was nothing but junk but I found something with a metal detector I was so proud of myself I got other signals and I would try to dig but our ground is frozen here about 14 months out of the year and I couldn't dig it up but I was interested enough so that I started studying metal detectors and I decided that I'd like to have one for Christmas and so I ordered one and Jane gave it to me for Christmas and I was so glad to get it it was a little well a little better than that one from the radio shack and I would turn it on and I'm looking around. Oh, oh there's something right here there's something under the platform right here we better dig there's it's probably a nail under the carpet but I was so happy to get that and so shortly after that Christmas when she gave it to me my grandsons were here and I took them up to the I took them up to that wooden playground up here I took them there because I thought well maybe 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 we could find something coins or 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 something and I took them there because there is mulch all over the ground and I wouldn't have to dig into the dirt maybe through that mulch I could find something and we did I found a penny and a paper clip and I found the end off of a lead pencil that metal part and I was so excited about that you know those who do metal detecting they call that place they, they call children's playgrounds tot lots you go to tot lots and you hope you find a kid's milk money that he lost when he was hanging upside down on the monkey bars you're looking for that kind of thing well I decided maybe I needed more equipment well that was the issue and so I bought this pinpointer now you see if you find something in the ground and you dig up a large clump of dirt you still don't know what's in there so you get the pinpointer oh yeah you hear that yeah and you start pushing that around in that dirt until you get right to the place where you need to be yeah and then I decided that I needed some tutoring I wasn't doing very well I needed somebody to teach me something about this whole hobby and I discovered that on YouTube there are all kinds of instructions about metal detecting are you with me yet you know there's a sermon in here somewhere don't you 
And I started watching these guys on YouTube, all kinds of guys. And the interesting thing to me was, and most of them were back east, but they would be out in a field, a farmer's field. And they're out there in that field, and they're just swinging that metal detector all over that field. And in a place where I thought there would never have been anything, they will stop. They'll hear the noise. They'll hear the beep. They'll begin to dig. And then they get excited. Oh, they're excited because they found a button. A button. I'm not going to get excited. Well, maybe I would get excited because they'll say, oh, this button is from the Civil War. And I can tell by looking at it that it belonged to an artilleryman. And I'm thinking, how do you know that stuff? And the thing was that they would sometimes find coins, old coins, and it got to be embarrassing watching them because some of them got so emotional. I mean, they would find something and they would, they're, they're starting to cry over this thing that they found and I can't get my arms around that. But what they really like to find is a, a coin. Coins are kind of the holy grail of metal detect. Coins are, are relics, but coins, they love coins. And as I was watching those videos, I realized that I knew this story. Jesus told the story, not here, what I've read this morning, but he told the story of a man who walked through a field and he stumbled upon a treasure and then he hurried to sell everything that he had so that he could purchase that field and then he would own the treasure. You read that story and you have to wonder, did he tell the guy who owned the field that he had already found the treasure? No, I'm sure he didn't. And then I thought, oh, 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 no, wait, wait. There's a better story. Jesus tells these three stories in Luke 15. They are clearly linked together. And that chapter is so well known and so loved that almost everyone knows all three of these stories. But most of us don't know or understand the setting or the context of what's going on here. If you look at verse 1 where it says tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around him, around Jesus. A more modern paraphrase of that verse might, instead of tax collectors and sinners, it might read telemarketers and people with cardboard signs. All gathering around Jesus. Or even a better paraphrase would simply say, common people. It was people like us. Really, it, it was an effort to describe the people who were coming to Jesus. Common people. And the scribes and the Pharisees were murmuring. They were saying, He welcomes sinners and eats with them. Oh. Well, welcoming them is one thing, but eating with them, oh mercy. In any religious movie you've ever seen, whether it was Cecil B. DeMille's Ten Commandments, or if it was The Passion of the Christ, let me tell you something about those movies. All of the people that you saw were that were in the beautiful white robe, the robes, the white robes, and they had the blue sash, the beautiful accoutrements to that white robe. 
Those were the scribes and the Pharisees and the publicans and the politicians. But the people who walked through the scenes of that movie who were wearing something that looked like a burlap bag with a rope tied around their middle, those were the common people. And there was a particular determination or a particular description of those people. They were called the people of the land. The people of the land. And the Pharisees and the scribes and the publicans and the politicians were looking down their noses at those people of the land. Forgive me for being political here for a moment, but there was a huge Trump-sized wall between the scribes and the Pharisees and the people of the land. One commentator said that to marry your daughter to one of them, the people of the land, was like exposing her bound and helpless to a lion. Pharisee regulation said, and I'm quoting, when a man is one of the people of the land, entrust no money to him, take no testimony from him, trust him with no secret, do not accompany him on a journey. That's how low we would have been considered. But these are the people that Jesus is drawing. These are the people that are coming to Him when the fine-robed people begin to criticize. When they did that, it was in response to what Jesus had just told them in these three stories that we don't understand. Now watch this. In the story of the lost sheep, the publicans and the Pharisees and the scribes they understood Jesus was telling a story and casting a shepherd in the role of God. And then, even worse than that, He told a story of a lost coin and a woman took on the role of God. So both the shepherd and the woman would have been considered people of the land. Unheard of! to talk about them the way Jesus did. No wonder they wanted to kill Him. But the people of the land, the homespun people, people like you and me, they gather in close to listen. Tell us another story. And in a matter of moments, the crowd that the fine-robed people considered outcasts began to join the kingdom of God. These three verses in 8 through 10 especially, they tell a story. It is a simple woman who loses a coin. It was a small piece of silver called a denarius, a Roman coin worth about 15 or 16 cents in today's money. It, it, it was a day's wages. Even for a Roman soldier, that was a day's wages. And she, she had a savings account of ten of those. $1.50, maybe $1.60. But it's commonly believed or known that she would have worked and saved and collected those ten coins and then placed them on a headdress or a headband. And that would have been her dowry or as something to signify marriage. Maybe similar to an engagement ring or, or a wedding ring. 
that band on her head with those ten coins. But there is another theory. You see, to lose one of those coins was like losing the diamond out of your ring. But there's something more ominous here. This other theory. These coins were drilled and sewn onto that headband. And if a woman is suspected of being unfaithful, one of those coins is torn off the headband. So to wear a headband with a missing coin was like wearing the scarlet letter. So now you begin to imagine and understand why she was frantic to find that coin. There was no hint of indiscretion on her part. But the lost coin cast her in this terrible light. And here's what I want you to see from this wonderful story this morning. I want you to notice this woman. She is relentless. She will not give up. The house in which she lived would not have been very large and the floor would have been hard-packed dirt or perhaps clay and it would have been covered with a layer of straw or dried grass. That's her environment. But I want you to notice the tools in this little parable. There was a light, a lamp. A small little thing. Some of you have seen those lamps from Israel or from the Middle East. And they look like a little pitcher that you might put cream in for your morning coffee, but it looks like somebody just smashed it down flat. And so is the little spigot on the front, the spout, and the wick would hang out of that, and the other end of it would go back down into the bowl, the bowl of that little pitcher, that little lamp, and it would pull the, the oil and a small flame would burn out there on the end. How much light could that even put out? I mean, it's some light, but it's not really the tool. She grabs a broom, and that's the tool. And Jesus says, doesn't she sweep the house until she finds it? The broom was the really important thing right here. Because with the glow from that tiny light, about as much as a candle, she is sweeping that floor. She's looking for this valuable possession. She has to find it. It's not only a whole day's pay for her, it is her reputation. So she's using that broom on that hard-packed floor, hoping that she might hear that coin jingle across the floor. Or thinking that she might see it flicker in the little bit of light that she has, but she's listening. If the coin was there, she was going to find it. But here's the analogy you have to gain, or I would like for you to gain this morning from this passage. Here's the point that I think Jesus is making. You are the coin. You are the coin. You and I are the coin. God came searching for you. You were so precious to Him that He was willing to sacrifice everything He had in order to find you. To use every tool available to Him to bring the light of the world to bear in finding you. But there's one more 
thing that I want you to harvest from this parable today. And to me, it might be the most disturbing or, or the most convicting for us. If the woman is supposed to represent God and the coin represents you and I, then the house must represent the church. This little parable became an expose by Jesus aimed at the Pharisees and the church. Because you see, what happened was the coin was lost in the house. What He was saying to them was, our people are being lost in our church. What does that say about us? How many of us are grieving to some extent today over family members who have drifted away from the faith while attending this church? While members of our church? Most of you know that until about five months ago, I was serving as the interim pastor back at Denver First Church where I had pastored for 15 years before. And one day I walked into my office up there while I was serving as interim pastor again, and this box was sitting on my desk. And I recognized it immediately. I knew this box. The man who cares for the facilities there told me that one of the custodians found this, in one of the closets there and didn't know what it was, but the manager of our facility remembered it. And he put it on my desk and asked me if I'd like to have it, and I said I would. Because I remembered immediately. I had preached from this same chapter, but I went down to the story of the lost son, and I talked about prodigals. People who are away from God. And before the sermon that morning I had had someone build this little box with a little slot in the top. And the conclusion of the sermon was, most of us have someone that we know, someone that we love, someone that we care for, that's away from the Lord, someone that you're praying for, that they'll come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I said, why don't you write their name on a slip of paper or put it on a card and put it in this and for years, this box sat on the platform right in front of the pulpit. And every Sunday, I would pray for the names of those in the prodigal box. But after I left, and we did big, big productions there, and we moved, emptied the platform all the time. We had big things going on and, and all kinds of concerts happening. And eventually, apparently, the box didn't get brought back. I don't know how long it had been in the closet. But when I saw it, I remembered. This box contained the names of people that were important to us. Those were our lost coins. Those were the ones we had let get away. Jesus says, 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, is upon me, because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I want you to picture it this morning. God doesn't use a broom any longer. He stepped up in his technology. And he is still searching. He is still looking. He is still in the process of trying to find people like us. I mean, you look at verse 10 here. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels, the angel of God, over one sinner who repents. One coin that's found starts a celebration which Jesus compares to a celebration in heaven. God celebrates when the lost is found. The angels celebrate when the lost is found. And there is Jesus standing, speaking. And there's this group of people of the land, common people around Him. And they're saying, that's me. But the fine-robed people at the back of the crowd are saying, He associates with sinners and eats with them. And I'm so glad he does. Because that's me. And I need him to walk with me. You and I still have lost coins in our lives. Prodigals. Children who have wandered away. Parents who have never come to faith in Christ. Brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, grandparents. And God still searches. I carry a coin in my pocket. My son-in-law is a colonel in the Air Force and a pilot and has had many missions over Afghanistan and Iraq. And he taught me that when they come back from deployment, oftentimes a coin is struck and given to the men who were part of that deployment. And it's called a challenge coin. And I carry it in my pocket to remind me of my son-in-law and the other men who do that. My cousin Scott also, most of you know him, he used to attend here, he also makes challenge coins. They have more of a religious significance to them, and he calls it a sermon in my pocket. And I keep it there. It reminds me of who I am and what I'm supposed to be about as a believer in Jesus Christ as well as 
simply a believer and a pastor. What am I supposed to be about? So I carry it there. It's Father's Day. I want to ask the men 18 years of age or over to come and join me up here. Stand with me here. Would you come? Every man, 18 years of age or over. Because I want to give you a coin today. And here's what I want to ask you to do with it. I want to ask you to put it in your pocket and walk with it there for at least the rest of the summer. And every time you pull it out, I want you to think about the lost coins in our church or in our families. Some of you will probably spend it because it is a dollar coin. But if not, I'd like you just to keep it there as a reminder of the fact that God counts on us as dads, as leaders, sons, brothers. He counts on us to be about the business of finding the lost. And for some of you, as I speak to you, you are thinking immediately of a child that you brought up in a church, but they're not there now. And your heart's heavy about that. And maybe you'd say, man, I hate to just keep that in my pocket because it'll just keep reminding me of that. But I encourage you to do that today. Keep it there, at least through the summer, and then do with it as you please. But I give it to you today as a memento of this Father's Day and of Luke chapter 15. And I hope when you see it, you'll think about that lady looking for that coin and the responsibility we have as dads, as brothers, as husbands, as sons to continue that process. Now, someone out there, pray for the miracle of loaves and fishes that I got enough coins. <laughs> Once you've received it, you can go back to your seat.
we had 47 men here this morning. Because I had three left. Out of 50. Gentlemen, let me just say a prayer over you. In the name of Jesus, Father, I ask your blessing and your attention upon these men who step forward today and receive this coin. Somehow may it continue to remind us of this wonderful story and what love you pour out for us. I pray your blessings upon these men today. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you today. We've been in the house. We've been in his house. We've been in his house today. Where's my friend Eric? Eric. Eric, I want Eric to come and share a word with us. Is there a microphone left up here? Somebody may have to bring me a microphone. Eric wants to talk Hello? to us about a new pastor coming in. Hey, everybody. Uh, good morning, family. It's good to see you guys again. I've been gone for a few months, and it's great to be back and actually here in the house. Um, so our new pastor, Pastor Matt Delp, will be here 4th of July weekend. It's coming pretty quick. We're all very, very excited about it. And we'd like to ask that uh, we as a family bless him as he comes in. Um, can you hear me all right? Okay. Yeah. And so we're doing some renovations right now over the parsonage that are much needed. And uh, we could use a hand over there. Uh, so if you have any time or skill or just would like to come over and help us out, you know, just uh, we'd really appreciate that. We just got a few more things we need to do to get that house ready and, and just set up for him and his family. Um, also, we're trying to do s some other things. Um, if you're not aware, he's been living out of a fifth wheel for quite a while now in his, his other church trying to help them get set up financially. And, and uh, you know, what that means is they're coming here without a whole lot. And so we're looking to, to fill the house with, with what we can uh, to help them feel like they're actually in a home, whether that be some food, some canned goods in the pantries, or, or even if you have some furniture that uh, you, you could give out and, and help them with, you know, that'd be greatly appreciated. Um, so if you're willing to do that, just... Uh, Give Mackenzie a call at the office number or send an email to her at the Woodland Life Center email and, and let us know what you can or you're willing to do. Then also, there's always an opportunity to volunteer and to serve the Lord. I know a lot of us feel that calling in our heart, but it's hard to find that time or, or the place to fit in. So if you do feel that calling and you do want to serve, again, send an email to the Woodland Life Center uh, email. You can find it online. Just in the subject line, put volunteer, put your name and your phone number, and I'll call you, and, and we'll, we'll have a talk, and, and we'll find out what your skills are, your gifts, or even if it's just time that you have, and, and we'll find a home for you, whether it's in this church or in the community, someplace where you can serve. And then lastly, we're having the Nazarene District Assembly on Friday. We're going to live stream it right here from 1030 to 4. So if you'd like to come in and watch what that is all about and learn a little bit about the District Assembly, please come on in on Friday, and I'll be here. Thank you. So. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. I want to reiterate what he said. 
I want to put the pastoral guilt spin on it. You know? What? I want to make sure you understand that Pastor Matt and his wife have been living in their fifth wheel because the last church couldn't afford to pay them enough that they could buy a house. So we have a house here. And they're coming in a fifth wheel. So I guess we could say, let's just let him park it in the driveway until we get the parsonage fixed. Don't do that. Don't do that. We need painters. And if you can paint, contact Eric or Jerry Yoder. We've got carpet coming in. That can be put in before they get it. They will be here the 1st of July, I believe, which is a week from this next Wednesday. That's how short our time frame is. Now, Jim and Cindy Rumsey have been in that parsonage painting, working hard on that, but we need some other folks to help get this thing ready. And the other thing is, and, and Eric mentioned it, the kind of the food shower to fill their pantry. Bring it by through the week. Uh, uh, non-perishable items that we can fill that pantry with. When they get here, I don't want them to wonder if we've been anticipating them arriving. I want them to know we've been planning for them to get here and looking forward for them to be here. So if you can help with those things, contact Eric or Jerry or McKenzie in the church office and then bring food by here and bring it next week and if you've got something that you want to put in the freezer, I guess there's a freezer back in this kitchen. Yes? Okay. Okay, let's get it out of there. Let's get it out of there and get this place spick and span and ready. If you're bringing something for a freezer, bring it and put it here in the kitchen, okay? Now, Brother Scott, if you can follow that. I, I don't think I can. <laughs> um, we are in the midst of our silent auction fundraiser for the youth group. Um, many of you saw the tables out there in the lobby. We're going to start about a 15-minute countdown for everyone to be able to get final bids in. So if you already put bids in, thank you. Might want to go back there and check it, see if you need to put a little higher amount to get that final bid in there. Um, we'll have a countdown going the last five minutes, and then we'll tally it up and announce the winners. Uh, money can come to me and Cindy Sipes. Wave to everyone. That's Cindy. Uh, we can take cash, check, or card. Um, so find us for those payments when we, once we announce the winners. But Go ahead and close okay. us out with a little prayer. You guys bow with me. Lord, we are grateful for, to be in the house, as was said, and to have a Father in heaven who cares and searches and loves and wants us part of his family of faith. And uh, we need to be that family and also be uh, instruments and vessels of his spirit and be part of that search for others. Um, Lord, let us have the strength and courage to do just that, to reach out, to connect, to bring people into this house and closer to you. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
You are dismissed. God bless you. You're dismissed. Kids, come and see me. I got the pastor's pouch all warmed up for you. Mountain maker. Here, Henry. Ocean tamer. Glimpses of you burning my eyes. The worship of heaven fills up the skies. You made it all. Said, let there be.
hearts in her Lost and left to die Raise your head for love is passing by Come to Jesus Come to Jesus Come to Jesus And live Now your burden's lifted And carried far away Precious blood has washed away the stain So sing to Jesus Sing to Jesus Sing to Jesus And live Like a newborn baby Don't be afraid to crawl 